Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. I'm Craig Bothwell, an agricultural consultant with SEC Consultancy, and I'm joined here today by Julian Bell and Mark Boucher Gibbs, both agricultural consultants here in Edinburgh. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. So the focus of today's podcast is a bit of a harvest review of the 2021 growing season, and, and Julian's going to chip in a bit with some market predictions going forward. So, um, Mark, can you give us a bit of a, of a review of the 2021 growing season? Because uh, thinking back to, to sowing last year, we were putting in uh, crops in fairly poor conditions. Uh, in the cold spring this year, the expectations for harvest 2021 weren't overly high. No, I think you're right, Craig. I mean, they weren't overly high. And I think we've made a sort of comment earlier in the season, and I'm, I'm talking sort of predominantly here about the Lothian uh, areas and the borders, uh, which is, is where we're based, so it might be slightly different further north. But um, we've commented in the past that actually perhaps the yield would be quite indicative of how the crop went in the ground in the autumn. And if it went in and established well, you know, you, you're on to a winner. And, and those crops that were, that, that were looking a bit iffy in the spring were the ones that really struggled. Uh, and, and I think that bears true. But I think there's a lot of positivity out there with the combines having gone into the crops now, uh, and probably more so than we thought uh, six months ago. And, and it was quite a difficult season, wasn't it, where we had that prolonged period of, of frost and cold weather. The growth stages were all over the place. We didn't really know whether to put on the growth regulator or not. The crops were quite clean, uh, and some people uh, sort of admitted the T1. Um, then we got sort of uh, rains in May, and a lot of rain at that, and then we got warm weather in June. So we had a whole hodgepodge of um, conditions. And at the end of the season, you know, Septoria came back and sort of bit us in the bottom of it. Um, we were a bit complacent uh, through the season, but we were seeing some crops in June with with the rain splash from the, the rain in in uh, May, sort of causing issues. So it it, it was difficult. Um, but uh, we obviously got the sunshine. As I say, the initial indications are positive. It's been another one of those sort of record years. It's been record cold, record wet, record hot, all, all at the wrong times. Yeah, it has. Um, I mean, if you compare perhaps to if you compare to England uh, and further south of the border, um, I think Scotland's fared pretty well. Um, I've heard sort of more uh, positive stories and negative stories. And as opposed to, you know, where are people in terms of harvest progress? Well, I think, fair to say, sitting here today, just as we begin the second week of September, um, most people are probably about 80% done. Um, driving up from the borders um, today to uh, Edinburgh, there were parcels of wheat and, and spring barley you have, to, you have to cut. And I think... You know, the guys on the coast, on the East Lothians, uh, will be uh, somewhat behind with the harm, sort of slowing things down. And, and some of those guys have still got spring barley to cut. They haven't sort of cut it at all yet. But, you know, progress has been good. I mean, what's quality been like? Well, the spring barley has seemed to have, have, have pleased. Um, the, the sort of sasses and the laureates that have been sampled so far have been sort of all under... Uh, 1.5 nitrogen, so you know nitrogens are low. And Julian, you were saying that it's probably maybe an issue of the weather that we had. Um, it's a, um, I, I know some guys that were thinking of going back on with another dose of nitrogen 
to top up, so obviously something went amiss there slightly, or, or was that just yield, do you think? So, well, quite often, well, more often than not, low nitrogens in the, in the malting barley would indicate good yields, and that seems to be coming through from around the country, not just in the, in the, in the south. Speaking to colleagues up in Aberdeenshire, they least pretty happy the harvest so far, good yields, quality's been good. And, you know, half the malting barley in Scotland is grown in the north, so it has a big bearing, uh, of course, on the, on the market and what's available. There's no reports of pre-germination as well, which is a good thing. Um... Nothing, I've heard nothing really yet in Scotland, and that's a good sign. I've heard yields um, have been... Both on the winter barley and the spring barley have been have been good. Um, prices seem to have varied between one seventy and one eighty uh, for those contracts going forward. With spot prices more like around the one ninety mark, is that where you've picked up prices as well? That's around the level of herd mark. Yeah, I think the key key question for Scotland is you know the size of the crop, the quality of the crop, and if the demand is going to be there. It's sort of trending as if we might have particularly a reasonably good crop this year. Uh, is there enough capacity to store it? Is there enough capacity to, to demand for it? Um, so that's kind of where we're at the moment in terms of how do we relate to malting barley price? And also, I think, in England as well. We, you know, the, the picture in England will, will be important and the rest of Europe. And there are concerns there about malting barley quality. And I think they've got about a third of their barley to come off yet. So I think they're sort of not quite sure as to what the overall quality is going to be. And, and I think the Molsters are sort of sitting there looking at the current prices and are pretty uh, sceptical about sort of diving in and, and starting trading yet. I think they're watching to see what you know the rest of the harvest is going to bring. Um, um, uh, in terms of wheats up here, um, the only... Uh, again, um, more positive stories than the negative on the wheats. Um, we've had reports of uh, farmers that are pleased with both second and first wheats. The, the wheats going into sort of the stilling homes uh, really have just the, the 72 specific weight market to meet. So, and we haven't, you know, any bushel weight problems that we've come across haven't really been to that sort of detriment. They've been um, perhaps maybe something, uh, you know, of the 74 mark. But um, so distilling wheat seem to be fine. Um, there seems to be a good premium there at the moment for biscuit wheats. Um, the spec for that is 10% protein. And I think there's a sl- sliding scale um, for Hagberg between 100 and 115 and a 74 bushel weight. And again, um, the feedback from the trade is that you know that's worth going for, even if um, you're slightly short on on the ten percent protein. And I think that's where people might be slightly short. Um, there's a one pound per point fall down from ten percent, but uh, with a six pound premium over feed, it's worth worth chasing. And I think that's um, slightly up on last year, which was a five ton um, five pounds a ton premium over over feed for biscuit. So yeah, I mean the wheats really seem to have done. Done farmers well up here. 
just touching perhaps on rate before we perhaps look to see a bit more what's happened south of the border. Um, we've had good reports on all seed rape as well, um, up to sort of just under five tonnes a hectare. And I think um, there is sort of no pattern as to, uh, you know, who's done well and who hasn't. I think a lot of it was down perhaps to the frost and local climate uh, as to how much perhaps the crop got checked in the spring. X Farm prices seem to have ranged quite considerably um, over harvest from about 445 to £470 a tonne. And I'm told currently that uh, £480 a tonne is about the current market for, no- for November. So I think one of the uh, issues that was probably was uh, a concern is how we might have coped this year with the, the drying and the storage facilities in central Scotland. And I think um, as we sort of approach the end of harvest, uh, we're Looking back, we've been quite fortunate such that the weather wasn't that wet and we didn't have a huge requirement for drying. Uh, Certainly people were combining at 20% but not having to combine at sort of 22, 24 or 25%. And um, uh, although people were out spraying spring barley and the winter wheat uh, with Roundup with the intention of combining both at the same time, it didn't really seem to overwhelm storage. So further afield, Mark, going with what you're saying, it's maybe not been quite as bad as, as we thought the harvest could have been given that we've had that weather opportunity um, to get to get crops in and combining in good conditions, certainly here in Scotland. But how's the rest of the UK fared? Because I, I think we've been quite lucky up here. I think we have, and I think uh, we've seen perhaps a reversal of the weather we might expect. Um, Southern England has really had a, a quite a stop-start affair by all accounts. It's, it's been an unexceptional year down there, and the reports I've had back are that it's really no better than the five-year average. Uh, and some of these higher-grade um, soils in the southeast that are quite capable of averaging 10 tonnes a hectare, uh, two tonnes a hectare down, uh, there's nothing really to shout of, uh, shout about. I think the protein has been uh, an issue um, just through the lack of sunlight this year in England, uh, and that's probably going to have more of an effect in that, um, you know, to get these milling wheats away, we need a 13% protein, and, they, you know, that's going to be a struggle for quite a few of them. You know, whether you look at the east of England, or the Midlands, or the south, the story seems to be coming back uh, the same, that um, it's been a difficult harvest, a prolonged harvest. Um, some light lands are yielding better than heavy, and then you hear stories of other, you know, ground where heavy land is, is yielding better than light. So um, it, it's a mixed picture. There were initial estimates that, you know, we might have a 15 million tonne harvest in the UK, and I think that's being pegged back now to sort of 14 and a half million tonnes, so uh, with quality issues. In terms of straw, um, there seems to be plenty of straw around, but the low sowings, uh, the low plantings in 2019 are still running through the system and um, uh, there's still a demand for straw. I think stocks are still being rebuilt after after the low wheat area that was harvested last year. And I think that'll be fairly regional as well in terms of us maybe in the loadings and further north having quite, quite good quantities of straw. Which is surprising because I think, um, you know, we didn't put yeah, all, the, all the crops were short, weren't they? We didn't put any growth regulators on. And um, and yet, uh, looking at the bales in the field, you sort of look at, well, how many round bales are there per acre there? And you're thinking that's probably, you know, a good three, three to four tonne an acre crop of straw there. Um, and uh, it's all being baled as well. So it's, uh, that, that looks promising. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. Just that sort of first week in June. I mean, we were out seeing crops at the end of May, thinking that did they look up too much in the first week yeah. of June? They were just like in a, a totally different field. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, worth pointing out with straw. I mean, there's a we've, we've moved to a very different world in terms of the straw market. We've got a lot of grain to energy. Almost ten percent of straw in the UK is used for energy. We've got things like carrots in Scotland. Uh, it's been expanding. Even pigs are moving, obviously, to more straw bedded and away from it. So all the factors are there to actually keep clawing away at the straw. So even a good year uh, is certainly helping. We're not, I don't think, going back to where we were five, ten years ago where you you get very low straw prices. Yes, it's probably that reason with this sort of multiple use coming in where uh, some of these big uh, straw merchants in, in the Midlands that are pulling straw from the south and pushing it up north are sort of crying because the choppers came out with this you know, catchy harvest that we were having in England, and yet they had all this market for the straw. So um, uh, I think it's, um, but that probably backs up what you're saying, is that demand's in a way growing. Um, and farmers put, or now, arable farmers are putting more value on the straw, clearly as to help the soil. Yeah, um, so 70 pounds a ton, I think it was, you know, um, around harvest time, um, probably depending on where you are, but, um, you know, we, the pe- it wasn't a, a 35 pounds a ton uh, you know, loaded from the field crop this year, was it? Arable farmers are more, they're less keen to let it go at those prices because they realise they're losing, you know, organic matter and nutrients yeah. that's much stronger now than it maybe was a few years ago. Yeah. It's great to hear all these great prices in terms of uh, wheat barley and obviously straw prices for the arable guys, but I mean, what's that looking like for fertiliser prices going forward, Julian? Well, the cost of quite a lot of the fertiliser is, is rising. It's clear the fact that the energy market is going up, the prices of, of uh, fuel and oil are producing fertilizer and nitrate, but you also get a pull, when the market goes up for grain, you get a pull through to the cost of the inputs because th- that high price is going to drive more production in the next year. People are buying fertilizer ahead uh, in anticipation of, of benefiting from those high prices. So it, you may not in, uh, you may not find uh, it very enjoyable to, to be looking at rising fertilizer prices on the farm, but the key thing is, it's telling you that that's a very positive sign in terms of the market for, for your produce. So the key decision to make is, if you are buying fertiliser, is to sell some grain now to cover its cost, uh, because then the two are actually linked together. You, you have to look at things, the connections between things, not just look at them in isolation. So there's the, the Scotland, obviously, we've had it's looking for quite a good harvest at the moment. We're then, we're obviously part of the UK market, Things are not so uh, so good down south, and then there's a connection with Europe, and then there's a connection with the wider world. So all these things affect our price. I think what you can say about England is that we're pretty well where we were last year. Although the crops are a bit bigger, it's not as big as people were hoping. The wheat stocks are down; they were so low at the start of the year. So the UK is still going to be an importer, um, which is where we were last year as a net importer, and that feeds back to Scotland, which says. The distillers are going to rely on imports but the critical thing for us is that they're at the moment they're not buying maize because it's expensive they're buying wheat and when they buy wheat they buy Scot- they're buying scottish wheat and that's making a massive difference that's one of the reasons the, sh- the scottish price has been so good for wheat at the moment if you look further afield across the world clearly the, the, the heat in america the dryness there has really uh, pulled down their expectations of yield there are other problems elsewhere, particularly in South America, which is the following maize crop over the winter, often our winter and spring, 
is they're now worried about that for trout. So that these fats are all buoying up the maize price. So it's it's actually helping our wheat price because it's blocking imports of maize, and it's actually helping the feed barley price because any any surplus barley we've got to export is finding a ready home at a discount to maize. Yeah, so that's quite interesting because barley is trading at about fifteen pounds a ton discount to maize. But if you go forward till October twenty two, it's back to the forty pound a ton discount because you know they don't know what where we're going to be then. But uh, you know when you look at the the global market, everything that's going on is against sort of wafer thin closing carryover stocks, isn't it? Global stocks, and um, you know we've seen quality issues this year in 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 France and Germany. Uh, the EU are probably going to, you know, a lot of contracts have been done on quality wheats and, and now they're asking themselves where are we going to find this quality wheat from? So is that going to be pulling, you know, wheat into Europe? Russia's somewhat of an unknown, um, apparently not dissimilar to the US and Canada for exports of wheat in terms, you know, onto the world market, but they've, they've got issues with spring, poor spring wheat crops. So with what you're talking about, Julian, and, and the price of maize, where... It all does seem to be pointing back to what's going to come out of South America, given that Canada has sort of downgraded their expectations. And do you think, you know, maize out of corn out of South America will be enough to bolster the you know the requirements? So what that, so what we're getting at the moment we're starting to think of price signals. So the strong maize price, the the usual thing that brings it down is that uh, it encourages production coming production and the most the clear place where that normally happens is South America because it's the next harvest after they can start planting when they see what's happening to our maize prices so if you get a double whammy in South America um, in terms of them not having particularly good prospects that does put the jitters into the maize market even more because in other years we've seen the US maize price shoot up the South Americans pile into maize um, and have, have, have produced a surplus which has brought things back down so that's why the market is always looking ahead. It's always, you think, why are we worried about South America? We're still harvesting our own crop. The Americans haven't really started particularly a huge amount of their maize harvest. Why are we looking at South America? Because if they don't pick up the baton and have a good crop, these trending stocks down that we're seeing will just get exacerbated. That is one why you've always got to think ahead, look ahead uh, in terms of the green market. You know, that brings us on to perhaps marketing policy and when, when do you place crop into the market and I know futures have come down a bit at the moment on the back of sort of wetter weather in the states but we are sort of still riding pretty high haven't you know over the last over this period and it would be silly perhaps not to drip products into the market during this time. Yeah I think there are costs are rising you know everything we've just talked about fertilizer fuel labor the costs are just going up haulage so critical thing now is I mean, you obviously got the stage where most people have got most of the seed now and they're planning what they're putting in. But you, the one thing you can do is decide, well, is it worth selling and what's it worth selling? So it's back to your cost. Get an update of what your costs are for this you know, 2021 harvest. Uh, look at what's in the market. Is there a margin? Uh, if there's a healthy margin, you've got to be asking yourself serious questions. Why are you going to sell a chunk at least to cover your establishment costs? You've, it's just doing your homework and you know no matter how optimistic the world looks if you can if you can see a margin then it's hard to argue not taking some of that so just going back to the just going back to the barley julian and um you know farmers will have 
it'll be in store now, they'll know that they've got a, a low nitrogen product. What's the best course of action over the next month or so with regard to marketing that crop? Uh, should they, you know, it should, is it a wait and see game? If you can store it safely on your farm, then it's clearly a case of, of keeping a hold of it and not letting it go for feed uh, and just hold off because I know it's that the margin's getting a wee bit low at the moment, 10 or 15 pounds maybe on the, on the feed to, to, to malting barley. If that, that's the one to watch. But obviously in the next few weeks, we should get a much clearer picture of what's happened in England and what's happened in Europe. And that could have a, could have a fair, a reasonable impact on the malting premium. And in, if England's malting premiums are, uh, malting capabilities aren't there, what does that, what happens to the uh, Scottish uh, malting barley that we've got now? Well, more of it will be needed down south. So uh, malting barley will be down on trucks uh, from Scotland and malt will come back to the distillers in Scotland. So that is a reasonable uh, extra market that can develop if we've got the quality and they don't. Beyond that, if there's a major problem in Europe, then clearly all the, whatever English malting barley there is, would export will be exported. And there are there can be some options to, to, to sell some barley from Scotland. It's not always quite so easy, but if the premium's wide enough, then some that is an alternative. So I think the next few weeks are crucial to just try and understand if it's worth holding that longer. Because I know quite a lot of people have they do have extra barley out of contract and just try not to commit to sending that off for feed just yet if you can. Well, thank you both, uh, Julian and Mark, for your contribution there to this uh, episode of the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Uh, if you have any questions uh, regarding this podcast or anything else you've heard today, uh, you can contact the Farm Advisory Service uh, on 0300 323 0161 uh, or email the helpline at advice at Once again, thank you both for your time today. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, my name is Mark Brasher Gibbs, and I'm a consultant at SAC Consulting based in Edinburgh. As we move towards summer this year, we're holding the SRUC East Loathing Crop Trials evening at Southfield Farm near Dalkeith, courtesy of Fordal Mains Farm. This new site for 2023 is proving ideal, with ample on site parking and covered areas for presentations and hospitality, and the trials themselves are only a short walk away. So please do note the date in your diary. It's the 29th of June, which is a Thursday. And we're going to be starting at 5pm. Invitations will shortly be sent out and registration links will soon appear on the FAS Scotland website for both this trials evening and our other trials evening in Lanark, which is happening on the 7th of July. We're heading further into the growing season now with increasingly warm days and nights. Crops are accelerating through the growth stages and we're gaining a clearer picture of this year's crop yield potential. Indeed, HDB's most recent crop development report put winter, puts winter cereal crops current potential ahead of that issued this time last year. Similarly, there are favourable conditions uh, reported across the wider Northern Hemisphere crops. Domestically, we're seeing more homegrown grains still on farm and held in stock by merchants, corps and ports compared to last year. And in the case of barley, some 22% more. Compound Feed manufacture over the last nine months remains 6% lower compared to last year and will invariably have a part to play here. The trade is reporting another slow week for feed barley markets with consumers seemingly well-covered for old crop and uninterested in engaging in new crops just yet. Likewise, farm selling is reported to slow 
but both old and new.